Hello and welcome to Don't Shoot the Deputies, a podcast run by two deputy heads living on opposite sides of the country. But today is one of those special, special episodes where we're not on opposite sides of the country because I've made the long drive down from Devon to Kent and I'm here with Steve. Hello, Steve. Hello, on the opposite side of the sofa this time. How are we all? I'm very... Well, are you asking about me? Are you asking them? (laughs) Always asking about you and everyone else. Well, I'm good, Stephen. It's been really nice the last 24 hours being down in Kent and seeing you and your lovely family and your new little girl, who's gorgeous. She is beautiful, no bias there. Yeah, lucky to have her mum's jeans, so that's really nice. <laughs> um, but Stephen, it's good to be here and it's good to be able to be here in person rather than using those dodgy internet connections we normally rely on. Absolutely. Uh, Zoom's brilliant, but it's nice to be in the same room and record via just quick time today and a lovely microphone. So it's good to be um, talking to you all again. In our last podcast, we were joined by Emma Turner, who was an amazing guest, and she spoke to us about lots and lots of interesting things. And if you haven't heard that one yet, do get on and give it a listen, particularly if you're interested in issues such as flexible working. She raised some really important points about that. But today we're thinking about jobs, and it's that time of year when lots of you will be beginning to show some interest in having a little look and maybe going to visit some schools. And we thought it might be helpful to produce a podcast that just gives you a bit of advice around that whole process. So Steve, I was wondering if you wanted to start by sort of giving us a bit of an indication about, let's start with NQTs. When should they be beginning to show an interest, do you think, in going and looking at jobs? I think time is really of the essence, actually. And if I'm an NQT, I'm on my PGCE, and I'm looking forward to have my own classroom, now is the perfect opportunity to just start scrolling through. I wouldn't say you have to shotgun every, every application. You can be picky to a degree because you're really looking for a school that suits you as much as you feel you suit the school. So take the opportunity now. We've got breaks coming up um, in the next few weeks, but now is when you really want to be looking at what is out there um, because jobs will come up from now, especially over the Easter in the next term, even into the summer term. There will always be jobs out there, but... You want to get in and amongst the pigeons here and really see what is out there on the table in your area and what you can really benefit from as well. Yeah, it's an interesting time, isn't it? And I can remember distinctly being on my PGCE and that slight panic of who's going for what, when, and you know, you start to hear of a couple of friends that have got a job really early and you're thinking, oh, should I do that? Um, I can remember um, <laughs> on my PGCE, we received an email, this was at Canterbury, saying something about... Um, doing a trial interview and how it's really good for your professional development. We're going to be running it at the uni. Some people in the past have actually got jobs off the back of these. I didn't really read email properly, but I just was like, yeah, sounds great. Email back. And I um, I rocked up for this practice interview expecting to see, you know, two or three um, heads or retired heads or whatever. And um, maybe my tutor. And I walk into the room with my suit on and it's full of everybody in my kind of on my course in my tutor group, about 30 people. <laughs> and I straight away see one of my mates, go, oh, good luck, mate. And I'm going, what do you mean, good luck? What are you doing here? <laughs> he says, well, we're all here to watch. And that's when it dawned on me that I hadn't read the email properly. And this experience was the chance to be interviewed in front of your entire tutor group. And that's good for my professional development and theirs, apparently. <laughs> So uh, so anyway, long story short, I was interviewed by a couple of heads and uh, someone from Medway kind of recruitment and 
that actually did lead to my first job opportunity. So even though I kind of stepped into it a bit, uh, a bit kind of clumsily, I actually did really well. And the Medway recruitment person sort of said, I've got a head teacher I think you'll get on really well with and, and sort of set me up. So sometimes, Steve, it's important just to put yourself out there and go for things, isn't it? <clears throat> Absolutely. Um, I again went to Christchurch, Canterbury, and I'm, I know the scenario that Russell's talking about because I was fortunate enough to take part myself. If you can get um, involved with this, don't feel embarrassed uh, or afraid of doing it in front of other people because actually what you do is just putting yourself out there and that experience you take is invaluable. Um, I was actually in Spain uh, on a placement at the time of when everyone started getting their first, well, the first few people started giving whispers of, I've just secured my first teaching job here. And you automatically start to panic and think, oh, I'm going to be left with that school that no one else wants to <laughs> be a part of. Um, it's not true. There are so many jobs out there. And um, just searching online of your local authority will tell you that there are jobs. And jobs come up at all different times of the year. Now is a great time to start looking and applying because you have the wider field, but just don't panic when people around you are starting to secure a couple of jobs mm -hmm. um, because circumstances are different for everyone and you shouldn't feel like you're going to be left with the scraps, really. That's really sound advice. Now, we'll talk in a minute about going and uh, visiting schools, which we definitely recommend for NQTs and for anybody uh, seeking any role. So let's think more generically, Steve, We've talked about NQTs, but what if I'm a teacher in a current post? I might be looking for a sideways move. I might be looking for a promotion. When do I know it's time to move on from my current school, do you think? Um, first thing I want to say on that one is that I remember getting my first job, and the, the first thing I was told by other teachers in the building was, it's your first job in teaching. Stay here for two or three years, then you get out. No matter what the circumstances, you go because you want to improve your CPD. Um, it's not strictly true. Don't keep to a rule and think, right, I've been here three years, I need to move on. It's what works for you. Mm. But when you do know is when you're lacking a little bit of motivation, the get up in the morning is not as positive as it always has been. There's a little bit of vulnerability around it. Or, or you could just be thinking, how am I professionally developing myself? You do always want to keep learning. Um, we're the inspiration to children, so if we can carry on our learning then we can pass it on to children. You keep that renewed enthusiasm, enjoyment, and a bit of youthfulness to yourself because you're constantly on a, a cycle of improvement as well. So what you really need to do is just think about your own circumstances. It could be that you're moving and then you need to uh, cast your net further afield. But if not, if you're just feeling that now is the time, your your body will tell you. So just don't always go with your gut. Weigh it up with your head and your heart. But you'll know when you think it's time to look at what is out there. I think it's really about your feelings lasting more than just a moment or a day, isn't it? I've had times in certain jobs where I've come home and I've had particularly tricky patches and for a few days I might have said to my wife at home, oh, I just, oh, I'm hating this at the moment, I don't get this. And, and then it passes because it's just a tricky period and we've had a lot on as a school and it's important not to make rash decisions at moments like that. But when I've really known that it's time to move on, I've felt those kind of feelings you're talking about Steve day after day after day and it's important to balance it with the the fact that the grass isn't always greener on the other side and no school is perfect however if you're just feeling like there's something about the school that's really jarring with you your values and where you want to go then that might be that might be time to consider moving on I've had times when 
I mean, I'm quite a restless kind of personality and that can be really positive for me or it can be a real drawback, but I get bored very, very easily. And if I'm not stimulated and challenged and feel that I'm moving forward, I, I find it hard to stay in one place. I've, I've moved around a few schools, really settled and happy where I am now because it's somewhere which really aligns with my values and the things that I want to achieve, I feel I can do there. So all my other moves have just been at times when I thought, you know, I, I kind of, I'm not feeling where this school's going anymore, or maybe I'm not even clear where this school's going, and I can't really see how my skills or abilities are going to be nurtured here. And when you feel like that day in, day out, Steve, you're right, you, you don't want to become demotivated from the job because that's not fair on the mm. children and the school around you. It might be time to just have that fresh lease of life. And the last thing I'd say with that point is, if you are stuck in a school where you feel really miserable because the the way the school is run, the organisation has perhaps changed a lot from the point when you started there, don't give up on the profession just because of that one school. There are so many great schools out there with inspiring mm -hmm. um, leaders and strong values. So don't give up on the profession because of one poor school. No, I think that's really important. I mean, it is okay to not be okay and to not feel okay. But yeah, definitely don't run away from the problem and think, right, that's it. Teaching's over for me. Um, Russell's extremely uh, solid advice there is just look at what is out there because you can learn from other schools, you can learn from the environments that you're in, and it's even the people you are with. If you wake up um, every day and think, oh, the same old faces, um, and then you go home and you think, right, I'm going on to Kent Teach now to have a look at what is out there, then possibly in your heart you think it's time to just see what's out there. Just don't make any rash decisions and feel like, right, I need to leave now. Mm. Um, I think the great times of the year, Easter for me is a brilliant time to just take stock and reflect. You've got a lovely period of time off where you're not dominated by it. Christmas um, or you've got the summer holidays where you're already preparing for your September. So Easter's a lovely time of year just to reflect and take stock of your own well-being and where you want to be for the future. Okay, so let's imagine we're at that place where we've reflected, we've thought about it, we're either an NQT or we're someone that's taken some time to think about things and, and now we're looking. The first thing, Steve, what, what what's the first thing we do? Whack in an application? Nope, nope, no, nope, nope. Honest advice would be to start with a phone call um, to try and arrange a school tour, a school visit, um, but really try and think that the interview starts then and there. Whoever you're talking to on the other end of the phone, it could be uh, the office manager, the school business manager, it could be the head teacher themselves or a deputy, it could be anyone in that building, know that you want to make that impression from the off. You want to be polite, you want to be um, willing, you just want to make sure that when they come off the phone, they could then go and talk to anyone else in the school building, namely those that are probably involved with your interview process, and just say, I've got a really good initial feeling off of that person. They were polite they felt bubbly quite happy qualities that we all know we look for in people you want to make that impression straight away before you even get to that school visit and would you recommend making that a phone call rather than an email i think phone calls have the personal touch yeah mm. and, and you're speaking to someone you know there and then that you can arrange an appointment for a school visit even if you have to give them a number to return a call i like the phone call for the personal touch and Follow it up with an email, just confirm that you're coming in, but personally, phone calls for me. Do you know what, your point about whoever you speak to is important, I couldn't agree more, you know, I've 
every school I've worked in that is office staff are always got sort of strong communication lines with the senior team so um, we had someone at my last school and she was just a brilliant reader of people and she would quite often come in and say oh she sounds lovely you know she was really nice on the phone and um, you know I think you're going to like this one Mr Pearson and, and those comments begin quite early on within a school once you've made communication so being warm being yourself from the start is a really important process the interview has begun there and I think that's something some people miss sometimes okay so perhaps you've arranged a visit um, do you tell your current head if you're in a school I go by a transparency and I've done it myself and I've always thought look just let them know what your plans are don't be shady about it and I know in some people's perspective they're thinking well if I don't like the school for an instant if I don't end up applying my head or management already know that I'm looking to leave my current provision and mm. um, don't panic about it we're, we're honest individuals and we're all seeking development and we're looking at what's right for us in the school so take that on board and just be honest and just say look I'm just going to have a look doesn't mean nothing's going to come of it but I just want to take an opportunity to do so that's great advice I think the worst thing you could do is to try and keep that a secret and go at a time when you don't think the head teacher will notice or, or whatever else because you know you've got to remember head teachers quite often know each other across vast areas mm. they've been on courses or training together or they might have worked together in the past word gets around and I do know of at least one case where a teacher literally kept the whole interview process secret from their head and I don't really know what no. they were expecting to happen it did get back to them and didn't sort of reflect favorably um, from the new employer or the uh, the original employer so I think Steve's right to be honest and I think he's also right about just having that chat with your your current head where you just sort of keep it quite light that I I feel like I would like to go and have a look and, and this is why it might not be anything and you know I, I just want to reassure you I'm still in the meantime extremely loyal to this school but I just do feel the need to go and and have a little bit of a look at this particular one um, if you're open and you're respectful in that, they're much more likely to reciprocate than if you look like you're hiding things or you send them an email about it at 10 o'clock on a Sunday night. Yeah. Good leadership um, team as well will never stop someone wanting to develop themselves mm. further. Sure, it might come that they turn around to you and say, but we can offer you more here, but you, no one should feel like there's a, a gun being held up against anyone's head and no. either, either side of the fence. And, Everyone just wants people to develop in education and be the best they can be. Yeah, and sometimes while we don't go and look at other jobs to try and put pressure on our current employers, sometimes those positive outcomes can happen. You know, I remember when we worked together, Steve, mm. and I was starting to get a little bit itchy feet and there wasn't really senior leadership opportunities in the school at the time. When I first started to show an interest in looking, it, it, it did get ahead at the time did bring me in for chat and had a bit of a conversation about how actually she's been reflecting and she does feel she needs someone you know additional in the senior leadership team and that did lead to a, a promotion for me I wasn't fishing for that I wasn't what I was looking for but actually it meant that she was able to retain me in a school that I did still love that I was just feeling a bit unchallenged in at that yeah. stage so good things can come of just being honest and, and respectful with your your current employees so okay let's imagine we've done that we've now arranged a visit Steve talk, talk me through some thoughts about the visit you've been on the kind of receiving end of the person taking people around on tours lots what are some do's or don'ts from that um i know i got the job in the end of my provision when i was an nqt searching for a job but please don't be late i was late and i, I tagged <laughs> on to the end of a, a tour that was already halfway through and then i tried to chuck in a few questions uh 
to show my enthusiasm, whereas I could tell the head was thinking, if you were just on time, I'd answer everything you just said. So please be punctual and get there early anyway. Because if you get there early, you can always talk to other staff. And again, it's that impact you can make just by being there early, feeling good about it, having a look around. That can all have an impact on you further down the line. So, um, Great point on a practical thing there, actually, that Steve's made me think is some school sites are terribly inaccessible and mm. have awful parking, particularly if you're in a city or a built-up town. So do your homework, and when you make the phone call, if they don't say anything about parking, it's not a bad idea just to say, can I just check where I will need to park yes. um, if you're in your car? Because I've arrived in good time things before and then found I actually needed 15 minutes flapping around finding where I was able to leave my car and then which is the right entrance so always allow a bit of extra time figure out your your, your plan of, of how you're getting there in advance so that you can arrive calm because there's yeah. nothing worse than flapping and being all frenetic and you want, to be in the, yeah, you want to be in the moment don't you and just calm and, and ready to really enjoy the school tour School tours, sometimes I've been on ones where I've been taken around in large groups and I've done those tours myself. But ideally, Steve, if you can manage to get a tour where you're on your own only with one or two people, that's better than being in a large group. Yeah, I always think so. It gives you the opportunity to really discuss with the person who's giving you the tour. And just you don't feel so under pressure when you're in a big group. Mm. It actually feels quite personal and that you can talk amongst yourselves as a, a group of three or four people as well just feedback of off of each other and just know what you're looking for and when you're not in a big group you can stand within classrooms and just look around and gauge how you feel the school culture and ethos is yes and in those larger groups i think you have to accept that you you are not going to feel like you're getting as much attention from the head teacher and whatnot so don't um overcompensate by being a brash overly dominant person because quite often in tours of six or seven if you're one person that dominates every single conversation that will quite often put you off as an employer straight away mm-hmm. uh, but equally if you're someone that's a bit more quiet and reticent don't feel that that's going to necessarily put you out of the um, the running so to speak but just try to be positive positive body language eye contact with the, the head or deputy taking you around listen to what's said respond to what's being said where appropriate and if you if you need to ask a question make it relevant and make it meaningful and you can show in one question quite a lot about what kind of person you are if you're only picking up on quite generic things about the school and displays and things, you're not really getting under the skin of what kind of school they are, where if you ask about the school's values or its priorities or its curriculum, you're showing there's a bit more to you as a teacher, aren't you, Steve? <clears throat> yeah, absolutely. I did take around a, a lovely lady once, um, but everything she looked at was pretty and nice. And we'd never really got to a, a questioning level where I, I really want to see... If, she really researched about the school yeah, professional for dialogue about yeah. education yeah. Yeah. yeah and it's fine to do that and she was showing very much a willingness to have a look around and enjoy the school but from my point of view i just wanted her to have something to to discuss further without me leading the questioning yes and coming back to the thing about tours i mean in some schools and in some areas you just going to have to accept it will be a large group tour and sometimes the school that's all it can manage realistically the head teacher might have booked out three or four times in a fortnight where they were able to take people round and it's busy and that can't be helped and that's not the school's fault. However, there are times when if you can arrange a visit on your own, it can really be to your own advantage. So for my current role, which is a deputy head position, I remember calling to say, I'm really sorry. And it wasn't a cynical move. I actually couldn't make the times that they had put up. 
um, but said, look, I really like the sound of the school. I'm sorry I can't attend this date because of, and it was something significant in the school I was in that I couldn't miss. Is there any chance you could squeeze me in here or here? And they and they did. And I think because, like you said, it was the personal touch of phoning, they squeezed me in and I actually got a tour on my own with the head teacher and a much more sort of personal experience where we could really talk and interact um, just one-to-one. And I think that probably did help me quite <coughs> a bit. Mm. Okay, so one other sort of don't from me, Steve, on the tour, and someone did this to me once, and I felt for them because they obviously, it was really well-meaning, it was an NQT or prospective NQT, and at the end of the tour just handed me an application, said I really like the school, and gave me an application and an envelope, and I think they were just wanting to show they were really keen and that they liked the school, and I have no doubt that they did, but it really didn't leave a good impression because they were giving me an application that they had not tailored unless they've been <laughs> scribbling under a table as they went around and um, they hadn't tailored it to the school so that kind of put me off but yeah. that kind of takes us on nicely to the, the whole application process now one thing we're really hoping to do for you guys is to produce a bit of a dynamic depth walkthrough on on advice for writing an application because I think there are thousands of teachers out there who to talk to are articulate intelligent passionate people but actually really find it hard to condense everything that's great about them in a concise way into a couple of pages. So we're going to produce, I think, some sort of kind of walkthrough guide for those of you that find that really hard. But that walkthrough guide is going to be based on kind of three C's and they are coherence, clarity and conciseness. They're the three things that we're really looking for. So coherence, we want an application where it makes sense, it's in an appropriate order, it's not confusing, it's not muddled. That leads nicely onto concise, that you haven't waffled for page after page after page, and clarity or clearness, that it actually makes sense. <clears throat> so, Steve, talk me through any um, real don'ts that you've had that have put people straight onto the no pile, because <clears throat> we as deputies mm. and head teachers, we might get 50, 60 applications sometimes for a post. Yeah, I mean, I can think of examples where it's been so generic that at times they've forgot to read through it and uh, notice that they're actually referring to a different school and um, straight on the for example phone. my school name comes up at the very beginning and as you read further through it's like a copy and paste job of paragraphs mm. and you just see ones that are clearly referring to an ethos that we don't even share within our school yes. um, i love the values that were think, oh they're not our school values actually <laughs> so please make sure you read through it and don't uh, i know it's hard to just um not do a generic form for everyone but you really need to do your research on on the school, have a look at their website and make sure you're referring back and then saying on the positive, the impact that that left on you as well and how mm. you can be right. And uh, another one I can think of, um, an applicant wrote a brilliant story about themselves and why they should work for us. It was very quirky. However, uh, it had the downs. Personal taste just meant that we thought, oh, it's a, it was of a, a different kind of application, which is fine, stand out from the crowd, but it didn't kind of, work because there was again no reference to a personal touch of our school and mm. um, attending the tour it wasn't referred to at all it's just a a story that again became just too generic so whilst initially you're like this is different and uh, quite yeah. interesting it was one that would probably have been sent to a 10 20 school right. doing a job run so i think it's good for people to sit there for a moment and think right what must it be like i'm a deputy or a head teacher a senior leadership team they're sat there with anything from 10 to 50 applications, mm -hmm. depending on the school. 
what a mammoth task that is. They might have given themselves a half day to shortlist. <coughs> if, if, if most schools are like mine, you end up with three piles. You kind of have your definite yeses for interview, yeah. your maybes and your definite noes. What sorts of things are going to stop me going straight on that definite no straight away, getting names wrong, making silly grammar mistakes, waffling on for so long that I don't make any sense, not tailoring my application to the school. They're all things that potentially put you straight in the no pile. And this sounds really brutal, and it's not to uh, put anyone down or to worry anyone, but I want our listeners to really understand that, you know, this is, whether we like it or not, it's a competitive process getting a mm. job. And if we want ourselves to be considered, we have to think common sense about the things that are going to give ourselves the best shot of getting our feet in the door. So avoiding those silly errors that are going to get us put straight in the no pile. If you've gone for a tour, that makes a massive difference because I know that Huge. if I've taken someone around and I really like them and they were giving me positive vibes, when I see their application come through, I'm straight away looking quite positively. And their experience, and, yeah. thinking, oh, this is great. Remembering a name from a school tour as well, mm. um, that definitely helps when the application comes in. You go, oh, I can picture that person. Mm. And now I'm reading about what they can offer us and what we can offer them as well. Have you ever had it, Steve, when someone has then actually made a comment in the personal statement that refers to something that was said on the tour have you had that kind of person in touch <laughs> absolutely and that normally bodes extremely well for that person to at least they've got their foot in the door there because they're recalling uh, what was left with them from our school and what what they saw um, and again it's not an egotistical part of oh, our school was brilliant and they remembered no. this it's absolutely the opposite it's just thinking the, the awareness that goes with it and the deepened understanding mm. from having a tour, which is sometimes a very brief 20-minute tour, yeah. but they're using that at their advantage. They've listened. They've yeah. listened to something that's been said, and it might be, you know, on the tour, you refer to this aspect or this priority or this aspect of your ethos, and I just that really sits well with me and what mm. I want to achieve. I'd really recommend that you, you use a few things. Steve's mentioned the website, always good to look at the school's last Ofsted, always sensible to have a proper look at the job application. Steve, you were saying before we came onto the recording that you know how often people don't seem to have read the person specification properly. Yeah. Sit with those key documents and I find it helpful to do almost like a mind map first. So don't worry about the order of your application everything and just pick out some of those key aspects that the school's looking for and think, right, how does me as a person, my experience, relate to those things? Now, if you're an NQT, you're going to have a bit more of a limit of experience to refer to, but please do refer to things you've done on your placements. You can everywhere. Yeah, or from any work experience you've had or whatever. But still refer to that because you're showing that you're drawing on your prior experience for why you're suitable for the role. But yeah, make some notes around a bit of a mind map of how your personal qualities and your experiences linked to what they're looking for uh, use their school values and really personal aspects of the tour in, in your application then what I'd do is number those kind of bits of your mind map your bullet points into a bit of a sensible order this is what I'm talking about coherence and then just try and get that within kind of two sides of A4 concise <laughs> clear really just every sentence counting no unnecessary waffle um, and there's nothing worse, Steve, Steve, is there, than generic kind of stories about things people have done that, but with no reference to the <clears> impact. And that is it. It's all about impact. And don't forget that, yes, you're selling yourself in your written application, but hold some back for your actual interview mm. because naturally we will refer to the application through the interview process when you're in person, but you don't want to just chuck everything out into paper 
and then regurgitate it. You want to be able to elaborate, expand, and refer to new experiences when you're actually in the room having an interview. That's a brilliant point. That you've got to remember that you've done half the work on your tour already. If you've you've gone, you've been yourself, you've been positive, you've been professional, you've already sown the seed that you might be someone they want to interview. If you've then written a, a decent application, it's just about getting your feet in the door. So it's just about giving them enough a bit of a teaser, really, of why you're someone that's worth getting in the building. When you send off your application, if you're anything like me, you get that massive anxiety of have they received you or is it in the spam box. There's absolutely nothing wrong with sending a little cover email that's just slightly personalised, nothing too long, but something generic like, it was a real pleasure coming on the tour on Monday, I attached my application, please could you confirm receipt of this? And then just so that the school business manager or whoever picks it up can just say thank you, we've received your email. Put your mind at ease then that whether you're going to get the um, interview or not, at least someone has seen it and it's not hidden. And your hours going into that form has been acknowledged by somebody in the building. Yeah. Okay, so what if I'm fortunate enough, Steve, I've got an interview now. Now, every interview can look really different. You'll normally receive some sort of letter outlining an interview process, sometimes leaving some aspects of it a bit mysterious. And I hear some really interesting um, approaches to interview by school. So instead of us getting lost in advice for every possible activity, perhaps we'll just talk about some key principles that are really helpful through yeah. the interview process. So anything that stands out to you, Steve, about the actual interview day? I know that when you get a, like a task or a lesson observation to do, first of all, from my point of view, I've never been afraid to give people more information. If they phone up and then say, I've seen the task, is 20 minutes to a year three class, can you give me, not the absolute specifics of the class, but so uh, like a, a knowledge of what their makeup is yeah and i've always been able to tell them yeah it's going to be like a because sometimes it could be a group it could be a middle middle attaining group or it could be a mm. higher attaining group don't be afraid to do that first and foremost before you attend your interview if you feel like you don't know everything about it you want a little bit more information people will do that they're not trying to trick you out well and imagine again as the employees if we've shortlisted five people for the role mm. and four asked about the makeup of the class they're about to teach and one didn't yeah. straight away we're going why is that one not and um, <laughs> so just think about it again from the other side of things you're never going to disadvantage yourself by showing you're proactive and you're taking yeah. an initiative. Use your initiative exactly yeah okay so that's great advice find up if you've got to teach which is a general rule um, quite important in a teaching interview <laughs> While we're talking about the teaching bit, any advice around an actual lesson? Because sometimes you're right, they're like 20, 30 minute sessions. And that is hard. hard. It is really hard to try and show everything you want to do because even for teachers, we're used to teaching for possibly an hour. So they even go, oh, I've got to condense that down to 20, 30 minutes. But keep it simple. We want to see teaching and learning. We don't want to see a show. So don't go out and spend loads of money on prep for an interview lesson and just don't put on a task, you actually want to show that you're a teacher and you can deliver teaching and children are engaged, but they're not just engaged because it's a really fancy lesson, they're engaged through your task that you're setting and that you can do simple things, quick bit of assessment and moving on and knowing what you're working towards at the end of that 20, 30 minute session. You're you're giving the prospective employer a teaser again of what yeah. kind of teacher you're going to be in that building. So if what they see is someone that has brilliant rapport with the children that has got real clarity about what they're trying to achieve in that 20 or so minutes so make it something super narrow never make it too broad for such a short time scale because you'll never get through it all like um like steve said a simplicity to kind of the lesson design and actually teaching in there 
I think so often I've seen those activity-based interview lessons where I think, well, the children were kind of kept entertained, but I'm not sure, one, that they learned anything, or two, that the teacher actually showed me they could teach. Mm-hmm. So some mm-hmm. questioning, some interaction is really important, but you're not going to demonstrate incredible progress for 30 kids in 20 mm-hmm. minutes. It's just impossible. But you can show enough of what kind of teacher you're going to be to make them go, yeah, I want to see more of that. <clears throat> yeah, exactly. And I remember my first one as an NQT, I had to do stories with a twist is all it said. So I was thinking, right, what can I do? What can I do? I was going to try and get a little bit of writing out, but being realistic as well. It was a 40-minute a lesson. I know I can't get to really write a story or anything. So it's being really tactical about what you can set. And I do always remember, like, at the end of the lesson, um, I re-read a story that we'd all constructed together, and the children were clapping, and the, the children were, like, were proud of their own work and everything. But... I thought I spoke to the head teacher as soon as we were walking out the door to say that clap I've not experienced that before and it was a yeah it was like a nice thing to get but she said the clapping was purely not because it was a fancy lesson but because they were engaged through the teaching and actually they're learning they were clapping out proud for a pride for what they can actually mm-hmm. do in such a short space of time so yeah I think keep it realistic and keep it simple and then it will be more effective to demonstrate yourself as a teacher and the children as learners. And a big thing linked to that is in most interviews these days, you'll be asked to reflect on your lesson within the interview, the formal interview, not always, Mm -hmm. or you'll have some space in the day to do that. Really encourage you to just be a really reflective practitioner. So if the lesson doesn't go quite how you wanted it to, that's that's not necessarily put you out of the, the running. I mean, I've I've watched lessons where I've been a little bit disappointed that it hasn't been as good as I hoped it might be. But then the person said, yep, if I was doing that again, I'd do this, this and this. I shouldn't have put so much into that part of the lesson. I know I could have done this bit differently. And I've actually been really impressed because they're Mm. showing there's someone that can reflect on their practice. Because being a great teacher isn't perfection all day, every day. And it's certainly not perfection going into a bunch of kids you've never met before for 20 minutes and pulling out all the good um, it might go brilliantly and well done if it does, but if it's not perfect, just show you can reflect on that. Yeah. You'll remember, it's enough of a glimpse of what kind of teacher you're going to be that you're trying to give the uh, the prospective employer. And I've even had people turn up on the day of interview and say, would you like me to use some technology today? <laughs> and I always think, my instant response is, if it will help you and you feel prepared to do that, go for it. But don't feel pressured. You're not going to be discounted because you haven't used the interactive whiteboard today because teaching takes... A variety of different um, displays, doesn't yeah. it? So you don't have to feel like Ooh. you have to tick every box. Good point on that, Steve. If, if you are using a, a, a presentation of some kind, do find out what software the school uses. <laughs> do save it in about 40 different formats and email it to yourself <clears> and put it on a USB stick because you know that on the day the technology won't necessarily want to behave. Yeah. If there's resources you'd like the school to prepare, that's fine to ask, but be reasonable. I've heard of, of teachers emailing in saying, could you have 30 of this, 20 of these, 15 of these? photocopy this and be realistic about how much you can actually ask the school to prepare on your behalf but if it's some basic resources that are in most classrooms around the country and you want them out ready that's absolutely fine to ask and normally you'll get a few minutes prep at the start of the lesson but it'll be in a bit of a rush that's a really good point about resources you can always ask for link cubes base 10 numicon Mm. uh, word maps just to save you having to go and photocopy but be reasonable with your request definitely so what about the rest of the day we're not going to go into every other aspect but any other principles about the interview day Steve that can make it go really well whether I'm going for a Deputy head teacher job, first teaching job as an NQT. Just think that there are going to be a, a couple of tasks, and the interview itself will be one of them. But 
actually your interview is lasting for the whole time you're in that building. Mm. So if you get the opportunity, don't feel afraid to say, can I pop out to break time? Just see what the children get up to out on the playground, for example. Mm. Have lunch with the children if you wish to have lunch with the children, just to be able to talk to children in a different kind of setting. And um, if you go in a staff room, don't be afraid to just talk to the the teachers that are there. As humans, like they're not going to go, oh, you're strange, we're not going to talk to you. If they did that, you kind of then said, that, <laughs> yeah. that's not the place for you. That's right. But you can talk to other people around the building and even the other candidates just to, to relax yourself as well, but just to find out a little bit more about the school that you are applying for mm. and currently going for a, a day that at the end of the day, they're going to say to you, would you like the job if you were to be offered it? And you need to be so informed to say yes or no at that point. Yeah, and that's a great point that it's a two-way interview process. You're finding out whether the school's right for you. And I know when I went to my current school for the deputy role, I was in a lovely position where I had an assistant head job at my previous school that I was loving still, and I wasn't that bothered if, if I didn't get this role. I mean, I did want it, don't get me wrong, I really wanted it, but it wasn't like I was going back to something really disappointing. Mm -hmm. So for me... I was only going to go if I really loved it. So on the interview day, I found out as much as I possibly could. I really quizzed people, I talked to staff, and I'm really grateful I did that because I knew exactly what I was walking into. I didn't get any ugly surprises when I got there. I knew the position of the school. I knew what people saw as its strengths and weaknesses. People had been honest, but I really liked the staff team. I thought they were passionate. I thought they really cared about the kids. And I thought, yeah, this is where I want to be a deputy, and I haven't looked back. But equally, you know, don't underestimate how what other people see of you might get back to the head on that day. I mean, I will quite often, even in my deputy role, I might say to teachers who have spoken to people in the staff room, what did you think of them then? Did you see them being part of the school? And Because at the end of the day, it's not just me that needs to like them or to get along with them. They're going to have to work with my team of teachers. And if my teachers turn around to me and say, oh my goodness, Russell, they were a nightmare or <laughs> they were really rude or they, they were obsessed with themselves or yeah. whatever it might be. <laughs> So, but I would really encourage you to be yourself through the whole interview yes. process because just think about it. If you put on a bit of a, a kind of a fake persona and, and you do get a job, you've got the job on the basis of being something you're not and then trying to fulfill promises or a, mm. a way of behaving that isn't you is, is, is a horrible thing where when I came for my, for my last role, I really, really felt like I was just being me the whole day. And then when someone turns around and offers you a job, what a great feeling. They want me for who for I me. am. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and, and that's a great starting point. And so I would definitely encourage people to really allow their personality to shine. Yeah. Um, what about the interview itself, formal interview? I mean, that does happen in every interview in some respect. Any principles or guidelines? I think never be afraid to take a breath and think before you answer a question. Mm. And there will always be these stock questions that come up, like what made you apply for this job today? Even what are your reasons for looking for another job? Mm. Um, that's for your chance to be honest. But if you're ever asked um, why you're looking to leave your current school, please don't start destroying your school mm. and explaining everything that's bad about that school you you need out of there because they just don't don't do everything that you want to do they're an awful place to work for because people talk and schools can talk as well between each other and there's always teaching is actually quite a small world in that mm. regard and um there could be someone in the building that just knows of the school you come from so there is a honesty and don't be afraid to say that morally and um you don't align with your current provision but it's all about you developing as a 
teacher and as, as a leader. Mm-hmm. Um, so be honest with it, but um, just don't destroy your other school or slag them off. So I might say something like, you know, I've had a great journey at that school. I feel where it is now is not really kind of heading in the direction I would, mm. I'd like. I'd like things to go, or it doesn't necessarily align with my values as much now. So I'm looking for a new challenge, which I feel this school offers. You know, it can be yeah. something like that, where you're you're saying enough, but you're not putting anyone exactly. down or being unprofessional. Keep your integrity and your honesty. Yeah, aligned together. If you're asked that other question Steve alluded to, why you want to work at this school, please do not start talking about why it's convenient for you or that it's just <laughs> it's close to home. from home. Or, you know... I hear that hours are reduced here. We get out of 3.30. <laughs> yeah, don't know. Or, or, you know, it's... Uh, yeah, the hours are, are perfect for me. because The no-marking policy. Yeah. <laughs> it's, you've really got to be careful in that answer that you... Yes, there might be some convenience aspects to a, a role appealing to you, but... Those employers, they want to know you want to work there because there's something about that school that is going to make you want to turn up every day, passionate and excited to work there. So do bring it back to the school's values. Do bring it back to the priorities the head or deputy or whoever has talked about and why you want to be a part of that. And do talk about how you feel you can contribute to that. And they're the things that are going to set you off in an interview on a on a really good start, I think. Yeah, and again, refer back to your personal spec that you were looking at, that, mm. and because that enticed you into applying for that job in the first place. So, explain how your skills are in line with that. And uh, I think the other, only other one is that a safeguarding question will always come up. So, you might not know their safeguarding procedures, but you know how to safeguard children as a teacher. And if you don't, uh, do check out. All information. Well, people tend to panic and save off yeah. things with safeguarding, and clearly it's good to have a generic answer ready. There's plenty mm-hmm. of examples online about the procedures and yeah. safeguarding leads and whatnot, and how you should record information. But if you really want the icing on the cake for a safeguarding question, feel free to talk about the wider culture of safeguarding in the school. So, beyond just what to do when a child discloses, discloses how I can create an environment where safeguarding is at the heart of what I do you know yeah. and how you create a respectful safe climate for children and knowing that safeguarding goes beyond just what to do in an emergency that will give you a bit of an edge in that answer um, I really come back to Steve's advice about taking a moment to reflect before spieling out something because we all have a tendency to waffle I do it but <laughs> I'm probably doing it now but to just take a moment reflect and think right what experience do I have that's relevant to this and there's nothing wrong as well saying, actually, can you just repeat that question for me? I yes. just need to hear that yeah. again. Um, nothing. Or wrong. rephrase the question. If you don't understand the question, don't be afraid to say, um, can you just elaborate and explain what you yes. mean by that question? nothing wrong with that. It shows you're listening, doesn't it? And it can be quite off-putting sometimes, talking to the top of people's heads because they're scribing and making so yes. many notes across. But just use that to calm yourself down and just talk at the... Um, interviewees or interviewers should I say yeah um, and just know that they're just making notes to make sure they capture the very best of you yeah that's really good advice and I think Steve something people often worry about is referring back to their previous experience and so on do you think there's a place for actually having a bit of a practice with someone at home over a few generic questions absolutely yeah and I've even I know I've had to make presentations before and I've mm. practiced with you and yeah. I've sent you um, some prospective answers to questions that there's nothing wrong with that. You you kind of know the teaching questions that are going to be asked. If you can practice with someone just so it's clear, concise, cohesive, then do it because it will all help you. 
and in your mind you'll just be really confident of what you're going to say if it comes up. Yeah, I think the presentation in particular, if you're looking for a leadership role, absolutely practice yeah. it, time yourself, film yourself. It's cringy, but I've done that a few times and you realise perhaps silly habits you've got about saying um too many times. I do that a lot or, I don't know, repeating well, something or... I remember um, going uh, in part of my interview, I know I'm quite animated with my hands normally, so I thought, oh, I'm just going to tuck them in my pockets. But actually, as part of the feedback, I got the job still, but they said, you were standing with your hands in your pockets for quite some time due to it. It made me feel very informal. And it was because subconsciously I was trying to think, what can I do with my hands? Yeah. Um, but uh, it's just little things of body language that people do pick up on. So filming yourself if you can. Doesn't matter if you look a Wally on the film. Um, you can always improve and work on any well, aspects you're kind of thinking, oh, I don't know if I want to see that. And also what you want to do is reduce the anxiety and the actual real thing about what am I going to say. So if I practice and whatnot... Once you get to the real thing, there's a place just to take a breath and say to yourself, I've got this. Yeah. I can do this. I've practiced this. And just trust yourself because what you'll find when you have practiced something is the words come out. Mm -hmm. I've done so many different training or presentation things now where I have to stand up in front of people. And if it makes anyone feel better, I still get so nervous. And I might be like 10 seconds before being introduced by someone to come up and talk about something. And I'm thinking, oh my God, <laughs> am I going to forget everything? But because I've practiced and because I do know my stuff, when I get there, it just comes out. And I think yeah. it's just trusting yourself in that moment and going, I've got this, I'll be okay. And if you've done that practice, you've done a bit of filming or, or you've practiced some interview questions, you'll find the answers come out and just be yourself. And, and again, remember, no one's looking for someone that's 100% perfect. What we're looking for is someone that is really passionate about the job, that has some relevant experience, is going to keep learning, is going to fit in with our school. So the interview process doesn't have to be 100% bulletproof from start to finish. No, absolutely agree with that. All right, well, I think we'll finish there because that's taken you right through to the interview. Steve, was there anything you wanted to add on that? Um, knockbacks. Oh, yes. Knockbacks are inevitable in a very competitive world of education and getting a job. Don't be afraid if you do get a knockback or even more than one knockback. Take it as a learning experience. And whilst it sounds corny, I'll take it on the chin and learn from it and do better next time. Don't be afraid to get feedback, neither. Because mm. actually, you've worked really hard. No matter how you did in that interview, you've worked hard from the get-go, from the phone call in, from the school visit, the interview itself. You deserve a little bit of feedback. So, And that would naturally help. Hearing why it didn't result in you getting that job could only make you stronger for next time and I think you really show your true colours in how you respond to a knockback I've, yeah. I've had people that when we've given the we've told them unfortunately they're not successful this time we've always tried to treat people with dignity in that process sometimes people can be really huffy and, and, and I get that it's yeah. it's an emotional thing and it, it, it can be a big knockback for them particularly if they've been through a few knockbacks but it can really put you off further and make you almost think as an employer, well, we made the right choice there. I don't like the way they reacted. On the other hand, I had processes where perhaps someone's come a close second or whatever and we've had to let them down, but they've been really like, no, I understand that the other person did really well. Thank you. Is there anything I can take on board? Da, da, da. And actually, three months later, we found ourselves needing a second person <coughs> and I phoned that person back up because mm -hmm. we left it on good terms and said, actually, do you think you'd still be interested in a role in the school because this has now come up? And there you go, an opportunity has arisen because they dealt with the knockback really professionally. Yeah, and again, I've had that exact experience only uh, 
last year, the quality and the caliber of people that went for one role, I think we had six people go for their interviews on the day, only one job available, all of them were excellent, uh, uh, so it was a really difficult decision, and one person I actually gave some feedback to, and again, it come to the next round, where well, we were expanding schools, so we looked for a new job, I was straight on the phone just saying, I know it didn't work last time, but the quality of the candidates, including yourself, was amazing, mm. would you like to come and be uh, considered for interview again, mm. and that person's ended up working at our place now, yeah. because it just shows, making that good impact, even when it's heartbreaking sometimes not to get the role, you could be against some amazing candidates and you could have just missed out by 1%. Yeah, and if the school doesn't provide feedback or the feedback they provide is so rubbish they weren't right for you, and yeah. I know it's bitterly disappointing and I hear stories on Twitter and Facebook all the time of teachers that have had really naff feedback or not been given anything really specific or helpful, those schools weren't right. They weren't right. If that's the kind of feedback you get, hold out for those schools that are going to treat you professionally and respectfully because they're, they're the kinds of schools you will end up working for if you keep looking. So we hope within that whole journey from showing an interest to getting a role or even taking a knockback, we've given you some helpful advice there. We would love to get some feedback if you do use anything that we've suggested mm. and particularly would love to hear if anything we've said has actually been useful in anyone um, achieving a, a job opportunity this year. That would that would be great to hear about. Please keep in touch and if you've got any further questions about any of this and you want to message us, we always try and respond. Remember we're on Twitter at Dynamic Depths. We've got our Facebook group Make an Impact Education which is not far off 8,000 members mm. now. We are on Instagram, still getting a bit used to that, but we're at, <laughs> at Dynamic Depths there. Uh, but thank you for listening, and we look forward to perhaps having another guest on soon. Absolutely, and don't forget, if you uh, do listen to the podcast, if you could spare like the briefest of 30 seconds to review us. Mm-hmm. We've had a few lovely ones recently, it'd be brilliant just to get your feedback on that as well. That'd be wonderful. Yeah. Take care, all the best with that job hunting, keep in touch. Bye for now. Bye-bye. Don't keep the deputy.